listen to this, listen to this. In death and in life, I am confident and covered by the grace of the living God. That's awesome. So uh, praise you, God. So we're, we're kind of in this room going, oh, Lord, your love is unceasing. It is relentless. It never fails. And in the middle of everything that life brings, we just walk going, hey, the Lord God is with us. And it's better than that because that's an Old Testament picture. But the Lord God is in us and he is our hope of glory. And he sustains us and he carries us and he redeems us and he gives us hope. And so welcome to worship. This feels like, for me, a good old-fashioned revival because it's 106 in here. So, man, we should sweat and preach and stay. You ready? It's awesome. It's awesome. I'm loving this. I, I, I don't know what's on the air. All the doors are open in the back. People are going to start walking in off the streets. I'm going to be like Billy Graham. Thousands will be walking the aisle in just a moment. <laughs> I was... I was cracking a joke and y'all were clapping. Maybe it's going to happen. Praise God. So um, anyway, we were, I was listening a moment ago. I went and spoke to Rick Wheeler in between during the welcome. You know, we were, Rick was at going, really? We're going to get all this over there? And we resolved the issue for getting all these tools to Haiti and how to do that. We know people in our church who like an adventure. And so John Turner is going to take his boat and drive all of this to Haiti. So John, we're excited. Thank you. He's like going, I'm not nodding at that. <laughs> I just walked back and I left and I said, I believe Jim Dicker just committed Rick and Jeff to move all of this over there and we're all in. We'll figure it out. I think guys like John Turner could do it though, don't y'all? Yes, John. So uh, that's all I have to say about that. Just a couple of thoughts today. And they're, I think, I think uh, we're going to close a series today that's been a mission. You know, we talk about we exist to lead people to transform living through Jesus Christ. That's who we are. And so for the last seven weeks, we've talked about this and just kind of putting a bow tie on it and saying, so Lord, I mean, what does this mean? Because honestly, if I really cut all the way down to the core of my life, I don't really care about mission statements. I care about Jesus alive among us. Now, sometimes they become guiding principles that help us understand the banks of what we're about. And that's maybe what we're talking about. But it's better than that. And there's a theme verse that I want to pray over us right now. And pray through us in days to come. And it's found in Colossians, the third chapter, the 16th verse. And by the way, this is, this is a great verse. Uh, it's, it's a verse that flows out of uh, Paul defining the people of Colossae of, as to who they are in Christ, how they've been robed or, or set apart by God. And, and this, is, this is the part that's amazing. The absolute love of God that is displayed among them. And that's, that's a moment that I think you were turning in your Bibles. And, and so I want you to get that. That he looks and he says, you can clearly see the love of God among you. It's bigger than any, you know, mission statement. There's about 12 mission statements in Colossians, the book, to the church at Colossae that he also said, by the way, make sure the church at Laodicea reads this as well. I mean, it's just this incredible letter. Like, whatever you do, whatever you're about, do everything for the glory of God. That's a mission statement to the church at Colossae. I mean, he gets off and goes crazy in the first chapter about the supremacy of God and, and, and really the supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus Christ. And, and he just says, this is your mission. But then he says in the third chapter, the 16th verse, after he's painted out for them who they are, that they're set apart, that life is moving around them. Then he says these words. So I would love to see the word of quiet Christ dwelling in you richly. And then he writes some things about this. I mean, I want you, I want you to challenge each other 
push each other, admonish each other with songs and hymns and spiritual songs. And I want you to do all that with the thankfulness toward the living God flowing in the middle of you. So here's what you should be about. Let the word of Christ dwell. And see, I'm, so we walked over here and kind of illustrated this and said, if you could say this is what we're about, we don't want to miss this. And yet, this is an Old Testament concept to say that we want to be a, a lampstand for the living God. I mean, where the word of Christ is dwelling in us richly and, and, and he, he talks, he being the living God, talks in the book of Revelation very harshly about churches. Maybe harsh, harsh is a good word. Maybe in a challenging way, he talks to us as churches and says, I really want you to understand the power of the lampstand. Don't illuminate the wrong things. Don't move your church about the wrong things because we love to take this candle and use the church to illuminate politics or to illuminate our own personal agenda. And he's looking going, no, no. If you understand the Old Testament, the only thing that you illuminate is the bread of life. That you're here to say, there's a feast here, there's goodness here, there's abounding grace here, and we want to be a people who illuminate this grace, this mercy, this amazing Savior. And so with the Word of Christ dwelling among us richly, we begin to say, oh God, we want to illuminate. And then if you heard this throughout the last weeks, you actually think you have a role to play in this. I mean, you're actually probably under some, some you know, deluded idea that you have a role in this. Like you're the candle and you're, we're going to, you know, as a church somehow, we're going to make a lot of Jesus. And that, that I think, is it, kind of in and of itself true, but not fully because I love, there's two verses today. One is I just spoke over you, Colossians 3.16 and 1 Corinthians 3.18. It says, it says, um, and its whole context is this, unlike Moses, we are a people with unveiled faces displaying the boldness and the glory of God among us. And then he says in 1 Corinthians 3.18, and we who with unveiled faces behold, and that's such a, the Greek word, I don't do this very often, it's katekprizo, and it literally says, to behold or reflect. And you'll see in your translations, whatever you might be reading, you'll see one word or the other because they literally mean the same thing. We who with unveiled faces behold or reflect the glory of God are becoming like Him with ever-increasing glory. And so we don't have a role in this thing. We don't. He, he is the light. He is the hope. He is the bread. He is everything. Our job isn't to come along and say, we're going to be a great light for you. No, no, no. He is the sustenance. He is the fullness. He is the hope. He is the head. He is the leader of this church. He is everything. All we've got is a reflection of him. We, we don't have a light. We just have this. We, just, just, Kate, you don't have this little light of mine that's going to shine. You have the reflection of the greatness of the glory of God. And we just come and say, oh God, we see you and we taste you. And somehow, somehow because we are feasting on the goodness of who you are. Because the word of Christ dwells among us richly. And we look at each other and with songs and hymns and spiritual songs, we are jubilant together. If we weren't Baptists, we would dance together. We would sing together. We would praise God together. And we would be saying, look God, you live here. You dwell in the middle of us. And in the middle of all this, we're just feasting on you. And God, somehow, in the middle of our lives, we become a reflection of you because we behold you, we taste you, and we see that you are good. That's a big deal because the story then, the mission, if you will, is no longer our mission. It is the centrality and the wonder of Christ. It's no longer, oh, wow, look, we've got a candle, we're a church, let's light it well. No, no, we have a Savior. 
He is a redeemer. He is the supreme desire. And if that is the only mission that we are about, we will do well as a church. So we just turn around and go, God, God. Like Moses, with unveiled faces, we behold you. And God, we reflect you in that beholding. And with ever-increasing glory, we just, we just want you to come and dwell here. I mean, look, as you look at this, and I'm about tripped over it, as you look at this, you just start to say, God, come and live and come and find comfort in the middle of us. See, there, there's just two biblical stories I want to share. One of them, I actually talked with the students last week, and I kept rumbling around in my heart saying, God, I, I don't want to tell this. I just spoke it last weekend. And God just kept bringing me back two Old Testament stories to, to really capture our mission. The first is, is my favorite guy on the planet. His name is Moses. I have quite a few favorite guys on the planet in Scripture. He's one of them. And I love Moses because that's, I, I want to read again and, and for us to just read together 2 Corinthians 3.18 and just, just hear what's said about him and what's said about us. Because it says um, in verse 12, just stop for a minute and say, Oh Lord, you're saying that we are about more than Moses. Since we have such hope, 2 Corinthians 3.12 says, We are very bold. Would you say in our, in our being rooted and established in Christ that we are a very bold people? I, I don't know. I just, I'm wondering. That's a great question to say, Jesus... This is my one question of the day. Does the word of Christ dwell among us richly? Are we a people who behold because we reflect greatly upon you? Because we behold you, we reflect greatly upon you. God, do you dwell here? And I love this. He says, look, Moses, this was this guy that had amazing things happen. And since we have such hope, we are very bold. And then verse 18. And so we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from one glory to another, or translated in another uh, scripture, with ever-increasing glory. For this comes from the Lord, and the Lord is spirit. And just before that it says, so where the spirit of the Lord is, there is absolute freedom. And I, I'm, just, I'm just asking in this context of this Old Testament story, do we live with the word of Christ dwelling among us richly? I mean, do we live and can we say tangibly, like we look at this, I like, I'm loving that this is before me. To me, this is a picture of God dwelling among us, that he is moving across the nations for the sake of his name, and he is dwelling richly here. And can, we, can we just say, God, you are in the middle of us and you are, you are laughing among us and you're rejoicing among us and you're moving among us. And I love this because to do that, it calls us to be rooted and established in him. It's another great verse in Colossians, which we'll venture into next weekend. Just to say, God, we're so rooted in you. We're so passionate for you. That's what Moses was dealing with in the Old Testament story. I believe it's Exodus 33, where he was just spending time with the people of God. And and to, to get to this moment to say, God, help us be deeply rooted in you, is to understand where Moses was. In this Exodus 33 encounter, if if you don't know the story of Moses, he's already been used by God to set people free. Literally hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, have seen this incredible journey. And and most of you have heard this story, like water has literally parted in the middle of all this. And it's been phenomenal. And we're just kind of asking this question, God, if you're rooted and established among us and you're dwelling among us, what does this look like? I mean, how how do we live this? And, And Moses has already seen miracles. I mean, I think we could probably all say in the heart of Mandarin, we've already seen God do great things here. It doesn't mean we're not saying, God, do even more. 
Because Moses in the middle of that says, God, you've done great things. I mean, we've seen, we've seen seas part. We've seen manna fall from the sky. We've seen your glory just move among us. We've seen quail fall. We've seen people healed. We, we've seen miracles back there when we were in captivity. We've even seen you move in my life, Moses saying this, when I was on the far side of the desert. I mean, God, we have seen you work and it's been powerful. Here, I love this. God, you've given us your presence. I mean, you came and guided us. I mean, I love all this. This is the fact, the first thought I came and spoke to you when I came in view of a call, just to say, this is what it looks like for us. And then, and then Moses goes up into a mountain to be in the middle of the presence of God, and God literally dwelt with him, and he came down the mountain. And this is a moment that all pastors um, are heartbroken about, because he came down from the mountain, and all the people, apparently he had lingered in the presence of God too long, and the people had formed up all of their gold, and they have this, 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 this idol that they're worshiping. And Moses does what all pastors do in this situation. So Moses just goes in and like starts kicking things over and he's livid with them. And, and this is what every pastor would do in this situation. He takes and grinds the gold up into the water and says to the congregation, you're going to drink this water now. That was funny. And biblical, all at the same time. And he's looking at them and saying, you know, this, this is what you're going to be. Are you kidding me? And then Moses goes back up to the mountain and just says, I can't do this, Lord. I, I can imagine the conversation the whole time he's walking up. Haven't you had those super high encounters with God when you have just been walking with the Lord? And then one of your great fellow followers of Jesus just completely rips the rug out from under you. This isn't the lost people out there who are ripping the rug out. This is his fellow Israelites, the chosen people of God. And he's, I mean, literally, he's walking down the mountain, beaming with the radiance of God. And he walks in the middle of them. And what are they doing? If you have led in any forum, you relate to this. They are down and just going, and he's looking, going, are you kidding me? And every trait's back up the mountain. He's going, God, help me. God, are you kidding me? And then he and the Lord engage in this beautiful conversation in Exodus, the 33 chapter, that I believe is a game changer for the word of Christ dwelling here. Because they engage in this conversation, and he says, Moses, you stand in. You live in the middle of this. And they're, they're, they're enjoying one another. And the Lord lays out the plan that he has for him that will be unique to Moses' situation. But much like us, when he dwells among us, he speaks plans into our lives. And he's standing saying, God, what do you want to be about? And the Lord gives him this unbelievable grace card. He says to him, he says to him, Moses, is there anything else that you need? Can you imagine that? That you and the Lord are having this one-on-one conversation and you're talking to him about the vision you have for the people of God, moving for the glory of God. And then God himself says, oh, by the way, is there anything else you need, Moses, to go forward in this journey? And he makes a changing statement that shifts everything. And it's a statement that will move our church down the road on mission if we'll allow it. And if across the board, we will come in and say, Lord, we exist to lead people to transform living, but we think this supersedes all of that. Because I think, what if the Lord just parked down with the middle of us and said, I'm enjoying us together. I've enjoyed this last seven weeks. It's been good. But listen, I want to ask you this question. Is there anything Mandarin that you need to move this forward? Moses' answer in the 33rd chapter, the 18th verse, is a change in the movement and the trajectory of any group of people. Because he says, let me ponder this for a moment. No, no. He says, here's what I need, Lord. Show me your glory. I, I, I spoke this like six months ago when I was 
kind of, you know, interviewing here, and, and now I've been here for a little while, and I would love you to just say, you know what the game changer is for us at the end of a mission series? It is not, here's how we're going to organize, oh, your staff's going off tomorrow, which we are, and we're going to plan and strategize, and it's going to change everything. No, no, no. The game changer in this, to be rooted and established with Christ and to have Him dwell among us richly is a simple statement. What do we need to move forward, Lord? Here's what we need. Show us your glory. We don't have enough skills. We don't have the great strategy set. We don't have the tool belt that's going to pull it off. And so Moses just simply says this. And the Lord says, look, I will do this, but you can't handle my glory, but I'll give you part of it. And then we get the great hymn out of that. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock. You know, he puts him in the cleft of the rock, kind of covers him. And he passes by with his backside. And Moses is so wigged out by this that he actually walks down unbeknownst to him. He is, he is covered in the radiance of God. And the people see him rolling down the mountain going, Oh my goodness. Oh my Lord. Oh my great God. And if we as a church will roll around this and stop saying, who can we get here? How can we do something differently? What strategies will work? And as a congregation around this mission, we will root and establish deeply in this reality. Lord, we want you to dwell among us richly. And if there's one thing we could ask of you, if there's one thing we would be about, it would be these words. Show us you. Thank you. Show us your glory. Because for, honestly, for me, that's better than a mission statement. And I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. When we walk in here one day and some of us are going, cover your face. For the, why can't that happen? I said it and I don't even believe it in my heart. I mean, I'm saying these words and thinking, I don't know that it will happen. Why, why can't that happen when we become a people who are so hungry and desperate for God and we're saying, we don't have a candle. We only have the bread of the presence of life and we are going to behold it. We're going to behold it and we're going to behold it and we're going to behold it and we're going to love you and we're going to, sh- you're going to show us more of you. And one day, one day we're going to step out and we're going to reflect your glory because you have shown it to us. God, we're so satisfied. And that is what it means to be rooted and established in the Lord. And I know there's not all the practicals, and we'll we'll get that as we walk through the Scripture together, but I don't know that there are often a lot of practicals. I mean, how practical to get? Here's your strategy plan. Climb a mountain. Hang out with the Lord. Ask Him for His glory, and He'll stick you in a rock. I don't know that, I don't know that that can be redone. I just think that's, listen, God, and, and I love him because we can just start telling stories throughout scripture how he loves to reveal himself to the people with this heart. Show us your glory, Lord. Show us who you are. And, and honestly, that's, that's a game changer from, I want more of this. Or I want this to fit me. I want God for you to dwell and sing among us and for us to look at each other and move with joy among one another and to laugh and to revel and to have clarity of purpose, God. It will flow from your glory. That's that's the prayer. And I I think for me that the world is looking for not only people who show the glory, but um, I think I'll do this story in like five minutes because I'm, you know, I know that you're all like hot and whatever. 
But uh, I, I spoke this to the kids last weekend, and I don't know why. This was zero. I shared with Scott a little while ago. This was like zero in my preparation. And Jesus kept just saying, come back. And I, I don't, I'm not saying, well, this is going to be a super powerful moment. I just think somehow the Lord wants to speak to us through this. I kept coming back to the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which I said we shouldn't call them. I just kept coming back and saying, God, what does it mean to walk purposefully? In the book of Daniel, it just, it, it, to me, it captures it so well. In the book of Daniel, it has some incredible verses when it just says, um, uh, the, these, these guys are so passionate. I think it's the third chapter, verses 6 through 18 or something like that. Um, and and it just, it's just incredible. And, and so if we're going to walk rooted in God, it will also, I believe, bring a clarity of life to us. And, and, uh, and so can, can you just hear this story and just start to ask, what would this mean for us as a church? to allow the word of Christ to dwell in us richly with our gate clear, our response avid. In the second chapter of the book of Daniel, the 47th verse, Nebuchadnezzar looks at, looks at Daniel and says, your God is the Lord of lords, he's the king of kings. Very confusing statement because within a couple of verses, he also simultaneously builds a 10 foot by approximately 90 foot tower to himself. So he's got some picture that something is happening. I think that may be true of a lot of people watching us. Some picture that something's happening. But it's not big enough among them to say, wow, I'm going to dethrone all other idols. So he builds this 10 foot by 90 foot. And the story I shared with our students last week, I I think is so powerful. And I think it's powerful for a church to understand this story. Because um, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah are sold into slavery and they're in the middle of this worshiping community and and what Nebuchadnezzar makes this decree is that you know at some point in the day all the horns are going to sound and you know several times throughout the day and people are going to all kneel and he actually um, after he invoked that the people saw that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hanani, Meshach, and Azariah didn't do that and so he just kind of made this they tricked Nebuchadnezzar into making this decree and here's what you should there's like there's so many plot lines to this here's what you should know like Nebuchadnezzar had ultimate respect for Daniel not everybody has yet bought into the faith but they respect you and they see the conviction of your heart and Nebuchadnezzar I mean he didn't just respect him he loved Daniel and his friends absolutely loved them so his advisors are looking for a way. This is a great verse, by the way. I believe it's Daniel 6.4. This is what I told our students. If this could be a verse, that would be true, not just of them, of you. It says that as they were trying to bedevil Daniel, if you will, I don't think that's in the Bible, as they were trying to find him, they said they could find no fault in him, nor could they find a seedling of corruption. Pause. Fill your name in that blank. Look at this. I mean, look, they're coming along saying, we want to cause you to fall. So let somebody follow you for this next week and just see if this could be true. I mean, just, just, they could find no fault in him. Better than that, no seed of corruption. You want to talk about a world changing, Christ dwelling among us richly statement? If that were true of every one of us, just saying, God, we're so about your glory. We're so about you that they can't find fault in us. So, so Nebuchadnezzar goes on and says, so therefore, you know, we're going to worship and then the, the people come because they can't find fault in him or his three friends. They come and make a decree that says everyone will die that doesn't bow down. Nebuchadnezzar doesn't know at this point that he is giving the death penalty to these three guys. This is a huge statement for a church. It's a huge statement for how we live out this mission because we're looking and saying, God, dwell among us and show us your glory. And oh, by the way, we want to walk with gates set, with vision clear. We want to be about you. And so Nebuchadnezzar, unbeknownst to him, just cast their death decree. And so, you know, the the, the music plays. They don't bow. He pulls them into the middle of them and says, look, 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 guys. What are you thinking? 
What are you thinking? They're going, I love the third chapter, verses 6 through 18, because he looks at them and says, I'm going I'm to give you a grace card. It says that you should die. But, but what really is going to happen right now is I'm going to let you live and we're going we're gonna to get Tog and the gang to just play a short anthem and you can bow right here. And it, the guys, I love these guys, they just go, time out. You can do whatever you want, but we're not going to bow. We're, we're not going to bow down in this moment. And so it, it says in Scripture that it infuriates him. And so he, you know, turns up the heat and oven and all that kind of stuff. But here's what the guy says. We love our God and we'll worship our God. And he dwells among us richly. And, and Isaiah 42, 8 says, he is the Lord. And that is his name. And we don't give glory to any others. No praise go to idols. That's who we're about. And when this mission of our little hearts and lives, when this mission is passion in our souls, we have seen the glory of God and we walk into the middle of the furnaces of life fully knowing that if God takes our lives, He's God. If He spares our lives, He's God. And when you get a room full of people who believe that, you can do anything for the glory of God. And so he says all this, and you know the rest of the story, if you've read the Bible at all, he says all this, and, and, and then he casts them into the fiery furnace. And, and I, I, lo- I shared this last week, so I know I'm redundant in this, but there's one point that I think we should see as a church. And so he throws them in the middle of the fire. You know that a fourth comes down in the middle of the fire, in the middle of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. It wasn't Daniel. It was a theophany of God. God came and met them in the middle of that. And can you imagine Colossians 3.16? The word of Christ was dwelling in them richly. That's not a verse anymore, is it? The word of Christ was dwelling in the middle of them richly and they were singing songs. I believe they stepped outside of the Baptist circle and danced in the middle of that fire. They were jubilant in the middle of that and they said, Lord, you are good. You are the Lord. There is, there is none but you. And can you imagine the picture of the living God dancing among them? May the word of Christ dwell among us richly and may we sing songs together and may we shout with jubilation together and may we honor the living God together because we love him and we behold him and we have seen his glory Man, that's beautiful but I think the picture that captures me is, is we always see uh, Mark could you help me in Barry could you help me just a second just come to me real quick I think we always see it this way John John you're awesome would you mind helping we always see these guys this way we see their friendship and do you not picture this biblical story this way like could y'all lock arms Y'all look very manly and strong. You always picture it's like, man, they're standing firm, aren't they? Look, let's let's lock arms together. It's Sunday. It's, that's not how it played out at all. John, John, just do me a favor. Would you hit, would you grab the? I don't, is the vestibule a word? That's the vestibule. Mark, would you just go right there and Barry, you can stand right here. Just go outside that door. You're leaving. You're unlocking. Get out. And so, um, I, to me, this is the most beautiful picture because when when you understand this story, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah are sold into slavery across the city, they're not under the same roof. I think we always get this picture, you know, how do we live this mission? Well, let's, let's be strong on Sunday. No, no, no. Here's their picture. The Word of Christ dwells among us richly. And here's what, here's what let's just go, I, I'm going to mess up the names, but this is Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. See, Hananiah is in the middle of this court. Nebuchadnezzar's called him in. Let's just assume this happened. He walked in by himself because they don't live together. And Hananiah is just going... God, I realize this is a super intense moment. I have no doubt in the middle of a world where everyone else bows down that any moment now, 
Mishael's going to come walking in. Who's got in the middle of a bowed down world, I have a couple of friends who I know will not kneel. Because God, you dwell among us. You're powerful among us. And these two friends start to look at each other in the middle of that. And it's just amazing. They're like, they are praising God going, I knew you would be here. And don't lighten this at all. Don't lighten this. They're going to die. But they knew we will be in this mission together. And so Azariah, you come on in, Azariah, Mark. Hey, you're getting too cool out there. I mean, welcome Azariah to the table. This guy is amazing. And there he comes walking in. These guys are brothers. Can you picture the word of Christ dwelling among them as they look at each other? And there aren't little handshakes going on. There are bear hugs of, we're going to go into this together. We Listen, listen to what they said. We don't know if we'll live through this fire. But we know this, we won't bow down because I know that he'll be standing in the middle of this. I know that he'll be standing in this. They know that he'll be standing. And we're not surprised when we walk in the room together. And I think the mission comes alive and the word of Christ dwells among us when we begin to say, oh God, show us your glory. Because we know, we know, we know in the middle of the greatest trials and tribulations of life that our friends will be standing, they will be stand-up men in a sit-down world. In a world where everyone else is bowing, I know that they'll stand for the sake of the kingdom of God. That changes the whole context of everything. Can you picture the word of Christ as they were bound and thrown into a fire and the only thing that burned were the shackles that bound them? And the Savior came in the middle and said, the word of Christ dwells here. Thank y'all. I don't, I don't know about you, but that's more than a mission statement. Because I'm not that super fond of mission statements, but I'm fond of Jesus Christ alive among a fellowship. A group of people who say, Lord, dwell among us. Show us your glory. Because we know, God, when you show us that, we will be bound together in heart and soul, rooted and established, Yates clear, and Christ exemplified through us. That will be our passion. So let's live that mission. It's not something we pull a sword out and do. It's someone that we behold and love, heart and soul, mind and strength. Jesus, I love you. I so thank you for this day. I thank you for Mike and Bonnie and just the chance to celebrate them today. God, I thank you for um, beautiful preschoolers who dance to a Harlem shake for the sake of your glory. God, I thank you for beautiful children who sing to us of your mighty rescue. God, I thank you for a glorious Savior who steps into the middle of the fires of life and walks with us. Holy Spirit, I pray that the word of Christ will dwell in us richly. God, I pray that you will live and move and be among us. God, I pray that we will live out a mission that says we exist to lead people to transform living. But God, I pray that the only way we'll do that is by ever-increasing glory, watching as you transform us. God, I pray that you'll remove any arrogance or any thought that this is about us. And God, all of the glory and all of the name and all of the fame will go to you. Jesus, you are beautiful and we love you and we praise you. It's for the sake of the cross of Christ we pray. It's for the sake of the cross of Christ we live and move and be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So here's the thing that I would love to invite you to as we sing one song in closing. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to invite you to do a lot of things. Some of you need to join this fellowship and just lock arms and say we're in. I mean, today's a great day to do that. 
Uh, Ryan's going to come down front in just a moment. Colonel Dan will be on the other side. We'll be here. Today's a great day to do that. Some of you need to make a step toward a relationship with Christ and maybe even just start asking, what's that look like?